Welcome to another episode of Unwise Girls, your favorite podcast all about Percy Jackson and all his funny friends. I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Jane. Welcome back to the show today, Jane. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You sound... you sound different. I do sound different. Uh, If you are one of our lovely patrons, you already know about this, but uh, I got a new microphone. You got a you got a fancy new blue snowball, right? Hell yeah! Better than your old trash gamer headphones. Well, we'll see. Because I was gonna, I was planning to debut this microphone on the bonus episode, and then it wasn't working. So yeah, well, well hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we're we're crossing our fingers. Yeah. Ideally, this will come out crisper and cleaner than ever. Hopefully, with less slightly weird background noises. If you want us to keep sounding better. Maybe throw us a couple bucks on Patreon. Yeah. We have some news. It's not Percy Jackson news, but we have some sad news today, folks. We have sad news that does pertain to this podcast. This podcast, as you all know, you probably all know this, I'm sure we've Mm -hmm. talked about before, is heavily inspired by one of our shared favorite podcasts, The Shrieking Shack. Mm -hmm. A wonderful Harry Potter reread podcast. Uh, That has changed my life in many ways and has made always made me smile, has officially gone on possibly permanent hiatus. Yeah, this is extremely painful. Yeah, I, I, I hate to see it go. Same. I mean, you never know. Podcast hiatuses, sometimes they last, they last forever. Sometimes they last for like a couple months. You never know. Yeah, I mean, they were always quite cagey about what they were going to do after the books ended. I mean, they had Cursed Child lined up, but after that, it was kind of didn't have any plans. So I feel like this was always a possibility. Yeah, I mean, Shrieking Shack, I I loved it so much. I love it so much. Present mm-hmm. tense, but let's stay in denial. <laughs> listen, uh, you can still listen to those episodes. They're still out there. Yeah, but. You know, some podcasts have to end. You either die a shrieking shack or you live long enough to see yourself become Taz Graduation. <laughs> uh, very true. Very true. But I don't know. I was what what were you hoping what were you hoping they would do after Harry Potter? Uh I think this was like a relatively common sentiment. I saw another couple of people saying this under the post that was about like them going on hiatus. But I was hoping for maybe, like, Tolkien stuff. Maybe they would, like, dive into uh, Lord of the Rings or something. They did, like, Lord of the Rings digressions or comparisons on occasion, and it always made me want to hear a Lord of the Rings podcast from them. Yeah, definitely. I, I would. That was also my pick. But, you know, I think they also did say a couple times, like, that's probably not what would happen. Yeah, I think one of the co-hosts, Liz, is uh, on record as not being particularly into Lord of the Rings. Yeah, i i would even I would have even listened to like a like a like a Narnia podcast or something. Yeah, I'd be into that. Yeah, it's been a long ass time since I've read any of those books, so it'd be interesting. I might I might have read one of them once, but I don't remember. Um, but yes, this uh, thank you to the Shrieking Shack for everything you've done. We yeah. wouldn't be here today without you. It's true. And Hurtwood House Forever. Exactly. And, you know, as, as tragic as this event is, it does mean that there is there is room for new blood to move in <laughs> on the retrospective on children's series from the 2000s podcast scene. Oh, this could Christ. be our moment. This is our moment. If you ever, <laughs> if you're not, if, if you're a fan of the Shrieking Shack and you know people who are fans of the Shrieking Shack, use their grief and <laughs> loop them in. We're like a cult in a lot. No, okay, maybe a little bit too far. <laughs> I mean, I bought this microphone by selling a weird ASMR story to a sleep app that may be a cult, so the division is fairly small. It's we're normal. We're normal here. Relatively normal. Yeah. So, how about you tell us about the, our chapters for this week? Sure. Do we want to just like give a sort of general temperature on them before we jump into that? Do yeah. I mean, do you have one? 
Uh, there is one bit of these chapters that I really, really enjoyed, and apart from that, they were fine. These chapters were fine, yeah. Okay. Chapter 9. I learn how to grow zombies. Percy and Blackjack follow the van that Zoe, Grover, Bianca, and Thalia have taken. While stopping on a rooftop, they encounter Mr. D, who threatens to drag Percy back to camp. Percy responds angrily that he doesn't know why Mr. D hates Hero so much, and in turn, Mr. D recounts the story of how Theseus tossed aside his lover Ariadne like garbage. She eventually got married to Mr. D, and the god still feels a tremendous resentment towards Heroes because of the incident, especially Percy, as, like Theseus, he's a son of Poseidon. He decides to let Percy go after the gang, reasoning that he has two out of five odds of getting killed, numbers that he quite likes. After some hijinks, Percy and Blackjack arrive in Washington, D.C., where the rest of the heroes believe they'll find Artemis. Percy sends Blackjack home as the horse is exhausted, and is about to invisibly follow everyone else into the Smithsonian when he notices someone else following them, Dr. Thorne, back from wherever he ended up after he fell from the cliffs. Percy decides to tail him instead as the manticore heads to the Museum of Natural History. In there, Percy discovers a monster army, along with several mortal mercenaries, Luke, looking worse and more sickly than ever, and wreathed in shadow in a giant chair, the General. Thorne reports that the heroes are in the Smithsonian, but is denied the chance to go after them to exact vengeance for what happened at Westover, as instead, the General decides to grow a small team of zombies to go after them. Percy watches as a series of teeth are buried in the patch's soil and then watered with blood, which quickly grow into... kittens. The guard who accidentally brought in cat teeth for the ritual is quickly banished from the room, and a new set of teeth are procured, these ones from the dragon Sybaris. This time, the ground erupts around a dozen heavily built and undead men, who, the general explains to Luke, will relentlessly pursue their prey once they have its scent. However, before the general can give the monsters a hunter's sash to smell, Percy leaps in and grabs the sash. However, in the process, he loses the sleeve of his shirt, giving the monsters his scent instead of the group's. Chapter 10 I break a few rocket ships. Percy flees to the Smithsonian, where he meets up with the rest of the heroes. After explaining the situation to them, the gang realises that this must be a trap. They had been following the scent of a powerful monster, assuming it was the one Artemis was tracking, when in reality, it was a different monster, put here by the general to lure them in. Right on cue, the Nemean lion attacks the museum, its sword-proof fur repelling Riptide, the hunter's arrows, and everything else they can throw at it. The lion is only defeated when Percy grabs some freeze-dried astronaut food from the gift shop, and hurls it into the lion's mouth, choking it, and allowing Bianca and Zoe to fire directly into it, killing the beast. It melts away, leaving a gaudy fur coat, which Percy claims. The group then flees the scene, spotting a military helicopter approaching, along with the zombies who are laser-focused on Percy. Chapter 11. Grover gets a Lamborghini. The gang pulls into a car park and ditches their van, hopping onto a subway train. Bianca mentions that she doesn't remember DC having a subway from when she lived here, which seems odd given that she's only 12, and the DC underground has existed a lot longer than that. However, there's no time to dig into that odd remark, as the gang have to switch trains several times to lose the military helicopter which is still on them. After a day of this, they end up in a rail yard, seemingly out of places to run. At the very least though, they've managed to lose their pursuers. They meet a friendly homeless guy warming his hands around a fire, who advises them to hop onto a cargo train if they want to keep moving. When the gang turns to thank him, they see that he's vanished, taking the fire with him. The train's cargo turns out to be luxury cars, and the gang split up to hang out in the various cool vehicles. Percy joins Thalia in one, and tells her that the General is planning to use the mystery monster that Artemis was hunting to single her out and kill her. Thalia replies that Artemis was tracking that monster to San Francisco, so that's where they're headed. Percy asks her why Annabeth said it was a bad place for Half-Bloods to live, and Thalia tells him that it's close to the Mountain of Despair. Percy doesn't know what that is or why it's bad for Half-Bloods, but he doesn't want to look stupid so he doesn't ask. He also realises that Thalia almost considered joining the Hunters at one point, and she confesses that yes, she was approached while she was travelling with Luke and Annabeth. However, she didn't want to ditch Luke, so she declined which Zoe in particular took umbrage with, telling Zoe that one that he would one day let her down. Percy points out that that's exactly what happened, and then Thalia kicks him out of her car. Later, while resting in Grover's Lamborghini, Percy encounters the friendly old man from the train station again, who reveals himself to be Apollo in disguise. Despite the rules against direct intervention, he's helping as much as he can out of concern for Artemis. 
He tells Percy that while his gifts of prophecy aren't always the most informative, there's a man named Nereus in San Francisco who they, who they can go to for help about what to do next. He then leaves the car, magically putting Percy to sleep in the process. While sleeping, Percy dreams of being a different person, long ago, arguing with a girl about whether to go to her father for help with some sort of quest. The girl implores him to be careful, saying that her father is evil and will trick him, and for protection gives him a hair clip, which transforms into Anaclasmos, otherwise known as Riptide, Percy's sword. When Percy wakes up, he's certain of two things, that the dream was a vision of the past, and that the girl he saw in it was Zoe Nightshade. So, what are your big thoughts? Do you have any for this week? Uh, so, I have I have a few thoughts. These... Uh-huh. These were fun chapters. Yeah. I think I think we're getting some themes being set up here. What do you I what do you what what do you think of of them? Uh I thought they were pretty good. The the scene with Mr. D is by far the best bit of these chapters. The scene with Mr. D is very good. It's part of what I mean when I say that we're getting some themes set up. I think that We've talked a lot about like, oh, the gods are being taken a task about how they're all, you know, full of themselves mm-hmm. jerks. I think this is that book, but for like heroes. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the scene with Mr. D is awesome because it we've, you know, kind of been wondering the whole time, like, why does he hate the kids so much? Mm-hmm. And this is a pretty good answer to that beyond just like, oh, he's stuck at camp and he hates it. Aside from setting up themes for this book, I think this has retroactively softened me a bit on Sea of Monsters. Oh, how so? Because I always kind of thought, in that book and in this one, um, I felt like, as a comic relief character, Mr. D always trended, like, slightly too cruel. Mm. Uh, But this kind of, this recontextualizes a lot of that and makes it into, like, okay, he actually has a motivation for being like this. Totally. Like... He sees himself as raising a bunch of little egotists who are going to yeah. get the people around them hurt. So no wonder he's putting them down all the time. Totally. <laughs> uh, good. Uh, yeah, not a not a great way to do that, but... Oh no, he's, he's still a piece of shit, but now we understand more why he's a piece of shit. Absolutely. And we get a little bit more of that theme with, um, I think, with the dream of, with, with Zoe. Yeah, definitely. That's That feels like it's a flashback to, like... Theseus or something. You know, I hadn't really thought about who, but Theseus would make a lot of sense. Like, um, he's another son of Poseidon. He's a hero. I think maybe he, it seems like maybe he uh, wielded an Anaclismos and maybe, I don't know. Yeah, it would have to be a Poseidon-associated person for the sword to have ended up with Percy eventually. I suppose so, yeah. Um, would it have been Theseus? Because Theseus... Okay, uh, because Theseus, like... Like, do you think it's, like, that direct? Like, Theseus, like, broke like broke Ariadne's heart, and he also did something to hurt Zoe? Uh, I think so. Or at least I hope it is. Because then we get, like, you know, one of the... One of the, I think, quite good hero tropes, which is, like, the previous chosen one who the hero is worried they'll turn into because they were kind of a dick. Mm. So if this is just a book where we get, like, a list of horrible shit Theseus did, and then we kind of get to see how Percy worries about becoming that person, that could be really good. That could be pretty good. If that's how it goes, I would not be mad. Mm-hmm. Zoe is interesting in these chapters. Yeah, definitely um, definitely softening a little, I think. Yeah, like we get that we get that scene with her and Grover where like she runs in is like, oh, what are thy doing in here or whatever? And Grover says like, oh, what's wrong, dude? And she's like, uh, uh, what are you what are you doing? And he, she's like she like like moderns up her language all embarrassed. Mm hmm. Uh, but we're also, like, we get the dream sequence of her. We get that she has, like, some kind of history with whoever the general is. Wait, was it the general who didn't want to hear her name, or was that Thorn? I thought it was Thorn because she killed him. No. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. It's the general who tells Luke to shut the fuck up when she when he says her name. Yeah. And I think that implies there's definitely some kind of, like, history there. 
Mm-hmm, I definitely. have some, I have some guesses for what that might be, but oh, okay. You want me to say him? Yeah, sure. Okay, I I think that maybe the general could be her father. Ooh, okay. This is this is my thought that maybe uh, that's who her mysterious parent is. Uh huh. Okay, I don't know if that's compatible with who I think the general is. Who do you think the general is? Uh, I am almost. I am completely convinced based on these chapters that my guess from last week that it's Atlas is correct. I think so too. He said he like jumps down from his big chair and like does a cool like Marvel crush the floor with he does like does his superhero landing. Yeah, he does the superhero landing and he's like, ow, my aching shoulders like very <laughs> it's it feels pretty obvious. Yeah. You don't think you don't think it could have been him then? I mean, when would he have had the time? Uh he's been under that big rock. Hmm. I mean, how much time do you need? <laughs> are you are you saying that while what who was it Perseus or no Heracles that he tricked into going under there for a while he went off for a quick shag and then came back? I think it's entirely possible. <laughs> uh, but no, I hmm, I guess I hadn't considered that element. <laughs> that does seem kind of implausible now now that I think about it. So I. Oh, there's actually, it's, okay. She says, you must go around up the mountain to my father. It is the only way. What if the mountain is the mountain that of, of madness or despair? Yeah, the mountain of despair. What if that's the mountain? That's very possible. So and you're you're thinking this could be like pre-Titan War. Possibly. I, or maybe, I don't really know. I, I'm curious. I'm very curious about how this will go. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting there's a lot i'm i'm definitely a bit more interested in like the general as a villain now yeah i kind of like um he seems to have the thing that um hordak from the shira reboot has going on uh-huh where he is um coming into this like fantasy uh kids universe and then being a threat simply by using very basic normal tactics which I, that's a villain archetype I quite like, so I'm into it. He's literally just like a military guy, basically. Yeah. He, he like hires a bunch of mercenaries. Mm-hmm. To, it's like, and that's definitely interesting. I think we've talked before about like, we talked last week about the idea of like, oh, there's a military, private military or something who are going. Yeah, after. that seems to have been partially correct. Yeah. And like we get the stuff of the general. This is a very military theme here. I'm also, I'm very glad to see that um, that Luke actually does still seem to have an important role. Totally. Like, Thorne doesn't seem to think much of him, but clearly, like, his role seems to be, like, he's training the elites on the Princess Andromeda. Right, right. And and the mysterious general is like, no, the, the, well, he doesn't really, he kind of, he dismisses them as being, like, a potential on-the-ground troop type. But he's like, those will yeah, be useful. I thought you used- said they would be, like, the honor guard. Well, yeah, but that's kind of that seems kind of different. Like, uh, you know, the people who are by Kronos's side versus the people who are actually out there fighting the wars or whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah, I guess. Which you know, one is probably considered more respectable or whatever. I might be getting confused with the concept of a vanguard. That's probably true. Uh, communism forever. What? <laughs> Jane doesn't read Lenin. I do not. Never have. Jane should read Lennon. Should I? Yeah, a little bit. <sighs> Jane is tired of me telling her to read theory. But I could be reading Percy Jackson instead. You know what? You're so right. Uh, <laughs> I get all of my left. We're turning into Harry Potter people. If we're get like we're getting, we get all of our politics from Percy Jackson. Oh Jesus, no! That's 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 who you're on the verge of becoming, and I'm very afraid of for you. <laughs> Listen, I just want to tell you about how Biden will save the age of the West. Oh, no. <laughs> Shane. Donald Trump is like Kronos. He's I... been defeated for now, but his pieces will eventually be regrown and he'll run again in 2024. I hate the words you're saying so much. <laughs> I just want you to, it's like, I want to put a zipper on you. Hey, speaking of horrible politics. Uh-huh. Uh... Now that we know that the general is Atlas, we are going to have to title one of these episodes Atlas Shrugs. <laughs> like the boss encounter episode where they defeat him, we are going to have to name it that. 
Uh, probably. <laughs> yeah. Should we read, read Ayn Rand for a bonus episode? Uh, the answer I is mean, no. I, the answer is no. I mean, I was looking up, um, like, because af- after reading the Atlas stuff in this, it reminded me that I never actually figured out what the title Atlas Shrugged meant. Atlas Shrugged is like, to me, I'm just going to say it before you tell me what it actually means, presumably. Mm-hmm. To me, Atlas Shrugged is like, oh, I am Atlas and I carry the 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 force of the world and yet i shrug because i simply do not care i am a cool badass capitalist man it's it's more or less that it's like oh we the the business owners the job creators uh carrying the weight of the world on our back but these people Damn. are leeching off us so maybe we Damn. should we should shrug and throw the world off wow uh, but also, on that Wikipedia page, uh, there was a quote from Ayn Rand boasting that um, she doesn't write characters that seem like real people. Uh-huh. So basically, she's filled a book with straw men and thinks that that's deep. It's so deep, Jay. You have to... <laughs> uh, horrific alternate universe Jacqueline, who instead of advising you to read leftist theory, says, just read Ayn Rand, you'll get it. Uh... Christ, okay. There, there is an alternate universe where we are like currently like halfway through the Fountainhead and covering Bioshock on the bonus episodes. Mm. <laughs> ah, that makes me sick to my stomach. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. We'll eventually locate these parallel universe versions of ourselves and destroy them. Please, are the tooth skeletons like a Jason and the Argonauts reference? Uh, I think they must be. They, they remind me so much of like oh. Skeletons suddenly sprout out of the ground, and they're all ha ha ha. Yeah, you know, definitely. Like, it, it's it, it feels very like this scene would be in claymation. Kind of weird that they grow skin though. Well, you know, you know how bones work, right? Uh... The the skin DNA is in the bone. No, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Percy Jackson for not being hard sci-fi. <laughs> to be clear. I'm just saying it's weird that if you want to do a Jason and the Argonauts reference, why make them grow skin? I think you're always a little bit wishing Percy Jackson was hard sci-fi. I'm a little bit wishing everything that I'm reading is either hard sci-fi or has like a hard magic system in it, because I just love that stuff so much. Yeah, well, you can't always get what you want. It's true. Uh, speaking of hard magic, kind of? Uh-huh. They had a big, cool fight in the Smithsonian. This is definitely the most nothing chapter. How so? I don't know. It's just, it sure is an extended fight scene, which I'm sure is like, would would be pretty exciting for a kid reader. Like, I'm not against it being here. I I like it. I like that we get like a tour through, we get like a cool location that it's set in, and then we take like a fun tour through all the different ways it can be used in the fight. That's true. That is quite neat, actually. I I think I like that Percy like uses like he jumps around from all the different models and displays. He's using like the stuff in the gift shop to defeat the Nemean Lie. I like it all. I ob- I object to this book's assertion that um like freeze dried astronaut food tastes bad. See, I always assumed it did, and I wonder if it was this book that taught me that. That's very possible. Have you tried it? Uh, I have. Uh, there was a little, weird little shop that was open for a while near me that sold it. Uh, and it's it's pretty nice, actually. What was That's it like? Dehydrated strawberry ice cream. It's literally oh. just powder that tastes like strawberry flavoring. Powder? That sounds disgusting, I've got to say. I, it's like, it's not just powder in a bag. It's like in little cubes that you eat. Okay. Okay, I, okay, that sounds better, I guess. Like a little mm-hmm. little ice cream bouillon. Kinda, yeah. Fun. But yeah, I I like I basically like this chapter. It is kind of nothing. I don't have a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. Other than like we sure were off the mark thinking that Percy would not immediately join the group, huh? Yeah, that that kinda went out the window right away. Like it's one chapter in before Blackjack heads back to camp. Like, mm-hmm. We were I, like, oh, hell yeah, new companion character. It'll be kind of fun to have a horse along for the ride the whole time. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's, it does feel like it's kind of like thrown away. I guess Percy needed a way to catch up, but uh, who knows? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine for what it is. It's fine. It just feels kind of wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it'll come back later. I don't feel like I don't feel like such a nothing element from a previous book would get this much attention and characterization if it wasn't going to come back up. Oh yeah, I mean, Blackjack is on the cover of the book. Ooh, have we got the same cover art this time? Oh, let's let's take a look. Okay, now tell me about your tell me your, tell me about your cover art. Uh, the the top of it is a little tagline that says "Half boy, half god, all hero." <laughs> And then it's uh, the Golden Gate Bridge kind of running across that. And then the title. And then beneath that, there is a very angry looking stock photo of a boy with a sword badly photoshopped into his hand. Equally badly photoshopped, just kind of on top of, not riding, just on top of uh, a flying horse. Now I'm extremely curious. Yours does sound terrible, but also sounds like it has a lot of the same elements. Mine is, okay, imagine a, it's, it's kind of an, Yours is very realistic. Mine is pretty, like, a little bit cartoony. This is realistic because it's literally, it's, it's literally two photographs. Yes. We get, like, an aqua cuff, we get, like, an aqua background. It it Uh has Rick Riordan and then Percy Jackson and the Olympians. And then at the bottom, it has uh, uh, Roman numeral three, the Titan's curse. And even the title is better. God damn it. Well, in the background, in the in the blue background, we have the Golden Gate Bridge sort of faded out as though there was a mist covering it. And in the center, a golden glow sort of circled around the figure of a boy, uh, a young tan boy who is holding a golden sword like back like he's about to throw it at someone or something who is wearing an orange shirt and uh, riding atop us like a shouting distressed looking black pegasus that sounds much better while also two other people ride pegasi behind him Ooh, interesting yeah i guess that that if anything is an indicator that blackjack is going to be like a major player in this book is if two different versions of the cover art prominently feature him very true. Like if he you know, if he was as minor as he's been so far, I think there'd be more room for variation there. Yeah, you know this isn't actually the this isn't actually the cover art that I had when I was a kid. Oh, okay. What was that? Uh, so, well, I'm sending you the cover art that I have for this one right now. Oh, I like that. That's good. That's really good. The one that I had as a kid was basically a scene of it. It looks very. It looks a little bit like it has the Titan's curse at the top. And in like big gold lettering, and then it has Percy uh, in shadowed and riding atop Blackjack, who is, and they're both like on top of a like balcony, like thing on a I building. Think it's the Chrysler that, building. That might be the Chrysler building, yeah. And uh, they're being wrapped up in vines, which is the scene we saw today with Mister D. Mm-hmm. This cover is definitely the best one. Like, I just love how dark and moody it is. Yes, I know that the one that I have like on my ebook or whatever is for like the the big all the covers come together to make a big picture one. Oh uh, yeah, you can see like cropped out stuff from the other sides. Yeah, and yours definitely looks the worst. It looks terrible. It's horrible. I mean, this it might be because this is quite an old edition of the book. No, because yours is from the edition you read when you were a kid, so it's not that. Yeah. Yeah, this is, oh no, this is from 2013. Why the hell does this look so terrible? I I don't know. And it's, it's weird to me. Like, there are a lot of interesting design choices here. Like, Percy is, his full face is just out. He has, like, he looks older. He looks like 16 or something. He looks like Logan Lerman stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> He does. He looks. <laughs> he looks really bad. The sword looks horrible. The uh, like it looks like a small knife, like in like a three D movie, being pointed at you. <laughs> and the horse is like a regular, like a real life horse, like mm-hmm. digitally painted, kind of purple and black, with crow wings on it, and like clouds, kind of. Maybe. Oh, you know what the problem might be? What? Is that uh, the the one from your youth, uh, that would have been like pre-movies. 
Yes. Whereas if this edition is from 2013, they might not have had the license to use like the movies for the cover art anymore, but they still wanted to like trade on the now a major motion picture kind of deal. So oh, they put for a sure. live action thing on the cover. For sure. Um, which was a horrible decision. I do have to say, the, the, the original cover, the purple one, if you look it up, Titan's Curse cover, you'll find what we're talking about. You'll find all the different ones. Yeah. But they... It is very kind of Harry Potter. It, it's a little bit that. But I think that's a strength, too. The Harry Potter books have good covers. Yeah, the, the cover style that this is emulating, those are, like, those are the books that I still have and can't quite bring myself to throw away. Yeah. And those covers do look quite good. You know, I'll say this, which is emulating a good cover style from a popular series, like, that's got way more integrity associated with it than just changing the fucking title to make it sound more like Harry Potter and the blank of the blank. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's one of the better things you can ape also. Mm-hmm. Like if you're aping a good cover style, then that's fine. Absolutely. Uh, so I guess we should get back to talking about the contents of these chapters. We should get back. We've gone way off track. It's fine. The viewers love <laughs> it, probably. Hopefully. Also, Fingers crossed. I- I meant listeners. I know. Are we streaming this? I wouldn't have thought so. No, okay. Then I guess there are no viewers. (laughs) I mean, listen, we can talk about whatever we want now. Our our biggest competition's gone. You fuckers are stuck (laughs) with us now. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, the... I think the most interesting chapter is probably the last one. Yeah, that's... Yeah, there's some good stuff in here. At least for having like more consistently, like there's stuff to talk about here. Like mm-hmm. we, le- this is where we learn about the mo- mountain despair. This is where we get some more hints to like Bianca's got some weird stuff with her past. Bianca has definitely had her memory modified, or is like way older than she appears to be, or some shit. Yeah, like she's like, oh, I remember before DC had subways, and they're like, that's not possible. You're twelve or something. And then nobody follows up on that. Okay. Is she 12 or I think I think she's 12, right? Uh, I think yeah, that's what it says. That's I don't it feels like she's older. I don't know why. It it's always so hard to tell with these kids books that are like, "Oh, the main character is, you know, 11 or 12 or something." And it's like they represent a character who's like, "Oh, she's the older sister." But that means that she's like 12 also and not like uh 16, 17 or something. I think we got tripped up by assuming that um, Nico was like as lo- as old as Percy is in Lightning Thief. Yeah, but I, Nico must be like eight or something. Mm-hmm. Which I guess I also mean, makes the, sense. It does, it does remark that like his armor is too big for him in Capture the Flag. Yeah, he is tiny boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, although uh, going back to the subway thing, not following up is becoming a theme in this book as well. Because this is this is the second time in a row that Percy has asked a question about San Francisco, not quite understood the answer he's gotten, and then got gone, no, I don't want to look stupid. I shouldn't ask about this. <laughs> Percy is always like this, though. I know, but it's it's still an issue that he has and needs to get over. For sure. I. It's funny that, like, he... I don't know. I think Mountain of Despair is just a very funny name. It does sound a bit like... The, a ride from fucking Moron Mountain from Space Jam. <laughs> Moron, have you like rewatched Space Jam recently or something? I have, in fact, recently rewatched Space Jam. How is it? Uh, horrible. Okay. Uh, horrible. Was... I, I watched the person I watched it. I immediately forced them to watch the Super Eye Patch Wolf Space Jam video after that. So the experience was worth it in the end. Oh, I. I don't think I've seen that yet. How how is that? We need to watch that together. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, okay. I we this is a very digression heavy episode, but <laughs> in our defense, we did say up top that like there's these chapters were fine TM. Yeah, I mean, I like them. I enjoyed them. They're still better than a lot of yeah. Sea of Monsters chapters. Oh, absolutely. But th- th- these are still very like transitional chapters in a way we're in the second act uh-huh are we i mean i assume so i guess there are usually i was thinking that there are two acts but this is not a play this is a book N- no wait 
plays have many different numbers of acts depending on the play. Is that true? Yeah. That's not true. Anyway. It's absolutely uh, per- true. Percy's mom, we learned that she loves Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I missed that. But yeah, you're right. That's that's an interesting like little character detail for her. I didn't, I don't know why I didn't take her as someone who's like, oh, I miss Led Zeppelin. So I'll listen to the White Stripes. Like, that's such a like funny, like direct, I guess, cultural reference. I don't know. I don't know shit about music. So I don't know if this is nonsense. Uh. Led Zeppelin did that song. You know Led Zeppelin, of course. Uh, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Pour some sugar on the stairway to heaven or whatever. And uh, they did, they did, yeah, they did Immigrant Song. The da 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 da. From everyone's favorite movie, Shrek Third. That's right. Uh, and the White Stripes did the famous song of I am not Googling right now. I'm definitely not Googling right now. (laughs) You know, they did the Seven Nation Army song. You know, I'm gonna fight them off. You know, that that one. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I guess they are kind of similar to Led Zeppelin, but I don't know. I just like that we got like a a detail like that. I thought that was fun. Yeah, it's just a a nice little extra about Sally. Totally. Percy just does not know how to talk to Thalia. No, oh my gosh. This is <laughs> what I this is also what I want to talk about next too, so that's good. Uh Thalia and Percy, like last time they talked, he was like, Wow, your mom d- like your mom died, huh? <laughs> that must have given you trauma. And she was like, Yeah, leave now. And and then they got in a fight and almost killed each other. And this time he was like he was like wow you must feel stupid for not joining the hunters because because luke did betray you (laughs) wow i guess that person you really hate uh was completely right when she said i told you so god it's it's (laughs) kind of really funny how bad he is at talking to her it it is i mean i understand that percy is correct but it is also very funny when Thalia just kicks him straight out of the car for saying that. Yeah, like, I mean, the thing is, like, Thalia still has that emo- Thalia, like, three months ago, she was traveling with Luke in her mind. Yeah. And that's, like, very important to understanding who she is. Yeah, she didn't actually go through his betrayal. No, and so she's probably still more on the side of like she's probably angry, but like she's obviously still holding out some hope for him. Yeah, she's definitely gunning for like redemption arc Luke, whereas Percy is like it's fucking on site. Yeah, ever since ever since uh, Luke did a funny little trick to him and tried to make a scorpion kill him also uh, tried to poison him and then a year later cut his leg open and then you know captured annabeth and yeah lots of stuff mm-hmm. but i don't like it's obvious there's some history there maybe romantic history i'm not sure like it seems like there was it seems like like Annabeth had like a baby crush on Luke or something. Oh, she definitely did. Yeah, the same baby crush that Percy had. Yeah. And Thalia had like like she seems to have like a bracelet that he gave to her. Mhm. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what that is. I am well, I imagine so cuz whenever she talks about him or like thinks about him, she like rubs the bracelet. I did not even notice that. Yeah, I mean, I could be off mark, but I think that's what that, that was implying or doing. Um, mm. And so I think to that extent, like, maybe there was, you know, maybe there was, like, a romance there. Like, a little 12-year-old romance there. Who knows? It's possible. Maybe Zoe was jealous, and that's why she was so mad. Maybe. Zoe is... Zoe is a funny character. She's... She hates the boys. She's... She is not okay with heterosexuality. Good and correct. Good and correct. Uh, shout out to all my straight fans. <laughs> not the pod. I don't. I said all my straight fans, as though I have a legion of them. Like not not the podcasts straight. Straight listeners. people only listen to this podcast because of you. The, is that good? I'm not sure. I, I 
I actually have no idea if that's an insult or not. Let's talk about Apollo. Let's talk about Apollo. We said we were going to do that and then digressed hard again. Well, it happens. What do you think of Apollo here? Apollo comes in. He's disguised as like a like a friendly homeless dude, and then it makes you, he disappears, and it makes you think like, oh wow, a mysterious man helped them out. He's probably going to come mm. back later, and we'll find out which god he was or something. And then he comes back two pages later. <laughs> I thought he was Prometheus initially. Oh, because he was like tending to a fire. Yeah, he, you know, he gave fire to the humans and then, you know, took it with him when he fucked off. Because I figured, well, if if Atlas is out, then maybe Prometheus is as well. Oh, okay. Like maybe he escaped from the the birds constantly pecking at his liver. Yeah. That would be nice. But I don't know if he has... a guy. Yeah, we learned (laughs) that it was, in fact, Apollo. Uh, And he comes in and drops the sickest of lines... Um, a haiku that is so true. It goes like this. Dreams like a podcast. Downloading truth in my ears. They tell me cool stuff. I can't believe that Apollo listens to Unwise Girls. He totally does, though. Like, there's... <laughs> I feel like if there's any podcast out there that Apollo would listen to, it's Unwise Girls... We're it the would pod- be a podcast that is at least partly about himself. Yeah, totally. It's And we'll eventually be totally about him when we get to the Trials of Apollo books. I forgot those existed for a minute. I've never read those at all. <laughs> I didn't know they existed until I looked them up for this show. That's fair. Yeah, I I hope those are good. I'm sure they will be. Yeah. But yeah, I Apollo was funny here. He helped out the kids. It's always good. To, I thought it was going to be Hermes actually when I first saw. Yeah, so I was, he definitely I was, has a similar vibe. Yeah, because like he summoned like some transportation for them. And when I think of like a god and transportation, I usually think about Hermes. But That's true. Like like Apollo makes sense. He was there earlier, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I like that he's kind of like. Almost like a counterweight to um, Mr. D in these chapters. Right, right. And that Mr. D is kind of like content to sit back and watch everything go to shit out of spite. Totally. And then Apollo is actively going out of his way and breaking the rules out of concern for his sister. Yeah, that's really nice. I'm glad that we're continuing to get that idea of like, he wants to help his sister and that's nice. I'm glad yeah. We we've got we finally got some nice likable gods. He's a bit of a dirtbag, and he does drive the Fortnite battle bus, but he seems to be basically decent. It's it's okay. He's allowed to. <laughs> uh, what about a Percy Jackson battle royale game? I'm sure that that like Percy Jackson Hunger Games fanfic does exist. Probably. Oh, we didn't actually talk about this like last chapter or chapter four, whenever. Nico basically proposed a Percy Jackson Battle Royale game. Wait, did he? He was like, oh, it's Capture the Flag. Is that, he, he, well, he was talking about like a Valhalla or whatever, but he was like, can we just kill each other and we'll come back? Oh, yeah. Like, like that's the first of all. Absolutely. Nico has been playing Halo 2. Yeah. I don't feel like we sufficiently emphasized how cool Mr. D was in his scene. Okay, Mr. D, like, he's, he, we knew he was powerful. Yeah. But he was, like, and he's been scary before even, but he was, like, an awesome figure here. Yeah, I'm really glad that it's taken, like, this long and we've had this much build-up to seeing him actually do something really powerful. Totally. Like, he, his use of, like, the vines and the, like, his whole deal here is very good. I'm... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really liked. I really liked it. I thought he was cool. I think that we should see more cool Mr. D. Yeah, I'm definitely up for that. I also like that he's like. I like that he's. I feel. I feel like we didn't emphasize this enough. As like he has that emotional. Co- he has like. He's a nice guy. You know what I mean? Is like, he? He he loves his wife. He is a he's wife a, guy. He's a wife guy. <laughs> is he's what a I wife guy. He say. does send a child off. Saying that he's glad that he has a two in five chance of dying. Nice guys always finish <laughs> last if they don't do that. 
I mean, I guess he did. Wait, what does finish last even mean? What nice I guys know. finish last? I think it's yeah. like they, you know, all the chads will get the girls first. Uh huh. Like, it's like the idea that, like, oh, we've, we're on the race to, you know, have sex with a lady or whatever. Right, and, I see. Or be, I think it probably is pretty encroached of, like, pick up artistry and, like, you know, yeah, that like, makes sense. If you're a nice guy, the ladies will, you know, you know, they'll they'll let you take them out shopping, but they'll never they'll never sleep with you. That kind of thing. I mean, they'll be there. They'll be there to pick you up after you get dumped by your demigod boyfriend after abandoning uh, your <laughs> claim on the Cretan throne. Oh Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Not, n- why are girls always going for jerks like Theseus when <laughs> when I, Dionysus, a nice wine god, am right here? Uh, I mean, huh. it's because he cheated on her with a wood nymph. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> it's all a little undercut when Percy is like, when Mr. D gives this big speech about how he tended to her heart afterwards and she was his wife on Olympus and he's suffering for a century or however long because he has to be away from her and can't see her. And then Percy's like, wait, weren't you banished because you like tried to hook up with a wood nymph? And he's like, <laughs> shut up, Percy Jackson, go die. Which is a valid response. I guess I mean, so. Maybe, maybe they just have an open relationship. Maybe. And Zeus is just like a judgy prick about it. Probably. <laughs> I feel like Zeus doesn't want to be handing out like punishments on that regard. Hey, yeah, what the hell? Like, they, they should have called him out on that. I mean, he probably did, but we're not going to get that prequel. Actually, he probably did, and that's probably why he got punished for so long. Probably. That probably made it worse. Zeus was like, go wander the fields for a year. And Dionysus like was like, e- eat my shorts, Zeus. And maybe it was Hera. Maybe Hera was like, don't talk about my husband's infidelities around me, and then banished him <laughs> for a hundred years. I mean, fair. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, this is this was this. These were some pretty nice, but kind of uninteresting chapters. Yeah, these these are solid middle of the book chapters. Yeah, we got. I think we got the most interesting dream yet, like the best dream sequence. Um, mm-hmm. We got a a decent action scene. We got some cool, you know, thematic stuff. But I'm definitely excited for what comes next. Yeah, because like the cool middle of the book scene uh, chapters are where we usually get some decent character development. Yeah, and now that Percy's like joined up with the main cast, we saw some of that in the last chapter in this lot. So I'm excited for more of that. Totally. Uh, my wish list is a conversation with. I like the Thalia and Percy stuff so far. I want some mm-hmm. big conversations with other people. Hell yeah. Um, I also want more labors of hercules we've already got the nemean lion we've already got we we're probably gonna get the uh you know the atlas thing which mm-hmm. i was i guess it wasn't a labor but it was just like a thing he did maybe, maybe are they gonna he'll... spend an entire chapter shoveling shit out of a stable that's that was my i was wait, hoping for it wait what? percy tended to the stables at the start of this book you're right and he's Holy already shit, maybe this is a labors of hercules book He's already defeated the Hydra, right? And Yeah, wait, no, he... that was just in the movie. No, no, it was in... Remember the Monster Donuts? Oh, yeah. The legend of Heracles at Monster Donut. Yeah, and they already kind of defeated Cerberus, so I guess maybe next Ish. time we'll get... Yeah, maybe next time they'll fight the Amazons? Hmm. That'd be weird. Okay. Thanks, yeah. for, thanks, thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> Before we wrap up, Let's do our segment. Oh, yeah. Percy Jackson characters that are not cishat. Who's who's your pick for this week? My pick for this week has got to be Apollo. Oh, okay. He, he listens to podcasts. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you think that you are cis or het or both, especially if you're both, reconsider. It's possible that you might not be, but I would give it, like Percy's chances of living through this book, about a two in five. About a two in five chance of being cis at. 
I mean, we know that cishet people do listen to podcasts more generally because the Joe Rogan show does exist. Mm, don't like that. Okay. <laughs> Your turn. Uh, my pick for this week is uh, Zoe Nightshade. Yes. Uh, she definitely had a crush on Thalia and is definitely mad that she picked Luke over her. And is now Seems insufferably very... smug that Luke turned out to be a shit. Very true. Very true. Okay. Thanks for coming, everyone. Yeah. I had a lot of fun here today. Likewise. If you want to contact us, you can at unwisegirlspod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at unwisegirls, where we also have a link to our official Discord server. If you like us, you can support us by downloading our episodes, leaving a nice rating and review for the algorithms. Uh, Recommending us to a friend would also help a lot. That's like maybe the biggest thing that you could do. And uh, if you want to check out our Patreon for a dollar a month, uh, you get a special role on our Discord marking you as a camp counselor. For $3, you get an even specialer role as a a friend of Dionysus and access to all of our bonus content. And if you're feeling especially generous for $5, you get the specialist role of Aphrodite's Chosen. I think last week I said Artemis is Chosen because I was being confused because of the book. Um, (laughs) You you also get all the bonus content and uh, a shout out at the end of episodes. That is, uh, once again, patreon.com slash unwisegirls. Uh, speaking of shoutouts, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica, who keeps forgetting edit her name on Patreon. Did she forget a word there? Yep. That's so. Uh, you you should edit your name on Patreon again. I guess it's kind of funny though. Um, True. And Jane, give us our famous sign off that we say every week at the end of every episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye. It was kind of weird that I said it differently. I don't like that. I'm not going to do that again. Okay. <laughs>